0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to Episode 74, How Could I Ever Forget You? This week we're discussing Series 5, Episode 12 of Doctor Who, The Pandorica Opens, and Season 1, Episode 8 of Angel, I Will Remember You.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. Uh, the Pandorica
2: opens. You,
0: I actually heard a smile in your voice when you were reading the title of that during that little <laughs> intro there. Like, it's a great title. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's good. And I want to start with the very obvious eponymous uh, subject of the Pandorica and sort of the mythology and all of the stuff that's not like the character-based stuff that that I want to get to later. Yeah. Um, so, and... I guess first we we should talk about like sort of the the tour the tour of this whole season five right. uh, that we kind of get not yeah. the whole season but you know the sort of the high points I guess we get uh, Van Gogh yeah. making some painting that has mm-hmm. driven him crazy er
1: yeah
0: uh, apparently um, right and then I I love that it's like like you get the bar woman or whoever like saying. Oh, you know, this is like his worst painting yet. <laughs> like yeah. of all the terrible paintings that he's done, this is the worst. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Then... And
1: um, and and that's a painting you'll see. You know, when there's like Doctor Who merch and stuff, you'll oh, often yeah. see like, like a poster. You of know, that. posters and things w- of the TARDIS Which... exploding Van Gogh style. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln, like Starry so.
0: Night, I feel is like already one of those that has been posterized. Uh, yeah. quite a bit anyway so yeah. like
1: yeah but this one actually features the TARDIS <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. so <laughs>
0: um, it would be an interesting like market study to see which one sells better but I, right, anyway that's my job creeping in there anyway so let's uh, yeah and then so you you get like yeah the Churchill World War One. you almost get the feeling that there was like maybe a, a Indiana Jones type uh, you know person who found this rare artifact that you know of the lost van gogh painting and it's been sitting in storage somewhere now I right mean...
1: or like what was that i haven't seen it yet but that movie that came out recently the monuments men which is mm. kind of about these people who went in and rescued like the art from like nazi occupied oh that could geography. yeah that would like that make more sense I, I, that's kind of the impression i get is like they're they're taking back Nazi occupied France or they have spies in there or whatever. And they're, and they're rescuing all these like really rare pieces of art and everything. Yep. That's, that's my imagination of it anyway. Um,
0: and then, you know, jump to river in a cell uh, and the TARDIS somehow has redirected the phone to call right. the phone <laughs> that's conveniently located right outside of River's cell, yeah, you know, perfect. Uh, <laughs> where she then is able to seduce and, uh trick the guard into letting her out i love that like there's like a stick drawing of her and he's like you're not gonna fool me um (laughs) and so i didn't put it together but yeah like she's in the same time frame i guess as liz 13 was it or whatever uh liz 10 i don't know anyway so uh i don't know why i thought 13 that was out of nowhere um (laughs) And and yeah, like it's still it's still in the English Royal Museum, you know, like right. five thousand or however many three thousand, I guess, years later uh, yeah. and change. Um, and and so yeah, like you you know you get the sort of uh, cooperation there. Although interesting, then that river then has to go seek out like some smuggler or whatever that guy is. I wasn't too clear on who he was, who she gets um, the time, uh, manipulator thing from.
1: Yeah. His, his name is Dorium. Um, we're actually going to see him again. Okay. So I want to make sure he doesn't do a lot yet, but we'll see him again. Have we seen him yet? I don't think, I think this is his first appearance. So he's more a peek into the future than, um, Than than the others. And he actually is a pretty interesting role to play. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I don't know exactly what he is, but it seems like he has some sort of black market connections. He gets you, like, rare and valuable things for a price and everything. Like, he's kind of a shady dealer Mm -hmm. of some sort. Um, And, yeah, and she kind of gets him to get the Vortex Manipulator and then, like, has to kind of, like, blackmail him for it for his life you know like putting you know put poisoning his drink and then selling him the antidote basically right right (laughs) um and it's interesting too did you think of jack when i totally talked about the 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 time vortex manipulator off the wrist of a handsome time agent yes no
0: i definitely (laughs) thought of jack
1: uh, okay, in that okay. instance,
0: so I because
1: I always think of Jack too. So
0: and we know at some point Jack.
1: I won't. I won't say whether or not that ever turns into anything, but I think that's a conspicuous line.
0: Oh yeah, I I totally thought of Jack and assumed that that was intentionally written to be somewhat vague, but maybe yeah. pointing at him.
1: Yeah, that's how I read it too. Especially because even if you have him like getting limbs cut off like we know like he can't be killed and so like it kind of makes you wonder like what happened there and like you know where is that in jack's timeline and right so
0: well and what i was going to say is you know if we're going with the jack becomes the face of Bo, we know at some point he loses most of his body anyway his whole body (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh so anyway
1: right right so perhaps this is related to that yeah
0: it's like the beginning of the end kind of for jack (laughs) Right. this is really morbid we've (laughs) we've gone from sort of the tour of the season to jack's slow but steady mutilation i feel
1: like i feel like he's here in spirit if nothing else so
0: anyway Um, um yeah So yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's sort of fun. And I mean, it's quick, but I I think you get this sort of idea. Um, I love that they go back in time. And, you know, to the first words like ever written, or at least like still extant, that, you know, you see in its river. Hello, sweetie. Hello, sweetie. Uh, Yeah, that's a great, great little thing. And, and, you know, the doctor sort of chides her for, you know, oh, you graffiti the oldest cliff in the universe.
1: (laughs) And she responds, you you wouldn't answer your phone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What do you expect when you don't answer your phone? That
1: justifies it, yeah.
0: Um, So, and, right, and then we find her, like, already in, you know, what is it, 102 AD or whatever. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, she's pretending now to be Cleopatra. Like... anyway i and i love when you you know you you see the shot of the roman guy and he's got the lipstick all over him like you know yeah. exactly how
1: exactly what happened, how,
0: yeah. how he came to believe that she was cleopatra um just yeah. like the
1: yeah it's it's an interesting start to the episode with all of these different characters and timelines and settings thrown in together we haven't kind of had anything like that before i don't think really Um, and it's something that Moffat, this is kind of the first example of it, and it's something that he starts to play around with a bit more, is not solely doing episodes set in one particular time frame, but kind of throwing them all in the mix together and jumbling them around. So it, but the first time it is very like, whoa, like you're getting the whole season Like in a space of like two minutes or something.
0: Well, and it sort of reminded me. So um, not insofar as like the time travel aspect, but it sort of reminded me of the, you know, with pulling, I guess, sort of weaving a thread through all these different storylines with the sort of the the last, the end of the fourth season where you get, you get the different companions who are, you know, from different places and and have gone on different adventures anyway and and sort of have their own threads but but now you get all of the and and obviously that's sort of a special case scenario because you're getting you know the big goodbye sort of aspect of it but right uh,
1: right Right, but this is kind of the logical extension of that yeah but i think it's the same same principle but just kind of expanding on the idea yeah Um.
0: and yeah and and doing it more through time than than through Mm -hmm. proximity of companions Um, and, and through allies that aren't necessarily companions rather than companions. Um, Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, but I, I like it. I, I, I thought it was good. And I, you know, I mean, I like that he didn't try to cramp. Maybe this happens in later uh iterations of this idea Mm -hmm. but i like that he didn't really cram too much into it like it all Mm -hmm. seemed to sort of fit because you know you get the van gogh you know and you get how it gets into the hands of the british and you get that it stays there like strange
1: sort of sense yeah like it
0: does sort of make sense like like they it does seem like they actually took some time and i guess the sort of question i would have and i don't I don't necessarily know that you know this. I'm not necessarily asking you. It's just sort of one of those mm-hmm. musings. But like, mm-hmm. would would that have been set up, you know, from the beginning of the season? Like, okay, we want to have these characters. And by the end of the season, you know, we want to make sure that there's this thread that we can follow through time to right. reach River so that she has this thing available to her. Uh, right.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I know... I don't know how much that played into like the choice of what episodes to do, like like whether he said like, Okay, we're gonna track this painting, so we need like the British royalty and government involved or whatever. You know, mm. like I'm not sure how much that went into the planning, but I think I do know that this episode was planned in advance to the extent that when they had those actors on set to film, they would film scenes. For this
0: time. episode. Okay. So, yeah.
1: So like they didn't bring them all back at like later. It's sort of like Moffat knew. Okay, I'm gonna need this scene with Churchill. So while he, we have him, let's do that. So he was, so at least that far in advance as the season is being produced, he's writing scenes for them and kind of prepping in advance of the actual episode. Given
0: so, given that television has a fairly quick production time, then I yeah. I would sort of assume that probably they must have had that mapped out sort of in the writing stage anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. Just, and and, so, and that, that seems different than Davies seems. And that's not to say that Davies Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily plan the seasons out, but Mm -hmm. I think from a feel perspective, (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. that feels different to me Mm -hmm. um, than, than sort of the Davies era, but I don't know, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that, because I think it's... It, the style is slightly different, but with even with Davies, you have stuff like him planting references to the Master or to Saxon episodes in advance. You have him filming yeah. little bits with Rose, you know, episodes before she turns up. So, I think he still uh, had an idea of where he was going at the end of the season and kind of laid in less blatant references, but yeah, um, I guess or I guess this is the opposite. Instead of prefiguring it, it's Moffat saying like, you know, kind of setting up his ducks before he, you know, needs them in a way and kind of making sure it's all ready. So,
0: yeah, I guess, I guess it seems more complex to do it that way than to just sort of hint at something that's going to happen in the future because because you have to have the the storyline
1: specific storyline it's like okay we want all of these different characters to be involved and i
0: guess that's what i meant like i don't and i i didn't mean to imply that Davies did no planning whatsoever at all i guess right (laughs) and 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 i don't even mean Like maybe he had it completely mapped out and it was all, it ended up all exactly as he wanted it. And that's fine too. Like I'm just saying from sort of the watching it perspective, Mm -hmm. it feels a little more complex and a little more like there must have been a lot more involved. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just being ignorant and, and
1: thinking. Yeah. And I don't know that either. Like maybe. Maybe Davies is more loose in his writing, and Moffat is more. I mean, and I think you you can tell that from the type of episodes that he writes. Yeah. That Moffat's the puzzle box guy. Like yeah, he's the guy right. who, once like you, all you need to do is look at like blink and everything. It's just that now he's doing it over the course of the season mm-hmm. instead of just in one particular episode. And, so, and I guess I that's... think you're probably right that he is sitting there. Okay, here's how I want the season to go, and let me. Figure out all the pieces, you know, before I do it, because the puzzle has to make sense at the end. So.
0: Um, and in that way, I think it see it feels a lot more like Whedon does, because sure, yeah, I, I know that that's absolutely what Whedon did is is to, you know, plan out not just a season, but he would he would put those same sort of seeds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There is stuff that we've watched already in like Buffy and Angel that comes to fruition in like a season or two from now you know what i mean so like it, yeah. i don't know i guess i i guess that was just sort of my whole point is that it seems like that sort of planning would have had to go into it from the start and it sounds like it did if if yeah. they were doing those shots and that production stuff you know at the time yeah. and knowing sort of where it was headed um whereas
1: uh-huh. now and and then we're gonna to have to pick this conversation up next week too. Uh, Fair enough. Because there's there is something in there that, even more so, when you go it, it it retroactively impacts the watching of an earlier episode from the season. Gotcha. That then you rewatch that scene in a different light, you know. Mm. So and it and totally intentionally. Um, sure. So.
0: Right, uh, and in order to do that, you, know, you would have had to have. Both scenes sort of already absolutely like
1: totally planned in advance,
0: yeah, um, yeah, cool. Well, I look forward to that then. So let's finish this conversation so I can go watch that, so (laughs) I can go turn it on and fall asleep and not watch it tonight, but then go back and watch it tomorrow.
1: So you can watch the first 10 minutes and then finish it, yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I want to talk so not just the situation, like that, all, all of that's sort of fun and it gets you to you know ancient Britain or classical britain i guess whatever however you want to say that um yeah you know get gets you to that roman invasion period uh and we're at stonehenge and Mm. uh you know go down and of course stonehenge is there's a big complex like alien type thing beneath it (laughs)
2: yeah which
0: (laughs) which is true that's the factual part of this episode Um, (laughs) so, uh, I, I I just like the whole idea because that's totally one of those conspiracy theories that Stonehenge is like, you know, right like Stonehenge and the pyramids and everything. Yeah. 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 It must've been, they're all, uh, alien artifacts and, um, I like that they sort of play on that and that Stonehenge is like this big transmitter and you know, (laughs) all this like, you know, and I was thinking about that and I'm like, well, you know we do use quartz for like watches and stuff. So why couldn't you have stone, you know, like resonating at a frequency, which signals, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm not going
1: to argue with it. Uh,
0: so I like, I like that, that, yeah, you have this all happening beneath Stonehenge and, and all this, but, uh, mm-hmm. stonehenge, uh, not stone hedge. Uh, but the, uh, we we get sort of the doctor's version of like the story of the Pandorica, right? This is like the oh, mythology right. and, and yep. we've gotten hints about it before, right? Like, Oh, it's just a myth. And you know, um, it's yeah. not real, that kind of thing. But the story goes something like, This is the doctor saying uh, there was a goblin or a trickster or a warrior, a nameless, terrible thing soaked in the blood of a billion galaxies, the most feared being in all the cosmos and nothing could stop it or hold it or reason with it. One day it would just drop out of the sky and tear down your world. And of course, we find out (laughs) what is in the Pandorica. It's the doctor and
1: the doctor. And it's
0: it's funny because that is what he kind of does you know like yep. all of those yep. things are pretty apt description of the, the sorts of things he does i mean we've talked about the various genocide mm-hmm. and and you know uh even if not genocide it's like yeah how yeah. much they fear him and how much he just right. destroys and the you know soaked in the blood of a billion galaxies i mean who else could that possibly Mm -hmm. be you know most feared being in all the cosmos and and i was thinking about that and this comes just before of course he's bragging about that very thing uh you know to all of the different species um yeah oh where where i thought i had that quote here
1: that oh yeah yeah
2: speech.
0: hello stonehenge who takes the Pandora <laughs> takes the universe but bad news everyone because guess who ha listen you lot you're all whizzing about it's all very distracting could you all just stay still a minute while i'm talking blah 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 uh the question of the hour is who has the pandorica answer i do next question that who's coming to take it from me come on look no plan no backup no weapons worth a damn oh and something else i don't have anything to lose like you know yeah he's He's basically saying, come and get me. Oh, but by yeah. the way, remember every black day I ever stopped you. Yeah. And then do the smart thing. Let somebody else try first. So, like, yeah. and of course, I didn't, I don't know, I don't remember at what point that I started putting the two together. Put two I, together. I don't think yeah. I put it together at that point when he's making that great speech. I think it was it was a little bit later than that. And Mm -hmm. so like, I like that just on the second watch, I like that juxtaposition of, you know, him, him talking about not even realizing, you know, soaked in the blood of the billion galaxies. And then he turns around and
1: and he's, and it's a nameless, terrible thing. Yeah,
0: Right, right, right. And, uh, Um, you know, he turns around remember every black day I ever stopped you. It's like, well, yeah, like,
2: yeah <laughs> this is
0: this is you're describing exactly the thing that's in the pandorica and you even get i like the the comment about you know the good wizards right and river's like that's oh, what i, I never, was gonna
2: say
1: too. i never
0: you know i never liked the good wizards <laughs> and it's like the doctor's kind well, of a and, good wizard in a way but... well that's
1: what she says is because that's why i like the irony <coughs> of that because they're talking about the thing in the pandorica you know, a goblin or a trickster or a warrior, and 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 you're thinking uh, like they don't con-
0: Loki or something like, like one of the yeah. one of the
1: monsters or whatever. And you know, how did it get in there? You know, oh, you know, you know, fairy tales. A good wizard tricked it, and then they both identify the doctor with the good wizard because she says, "I hate good wizards. They always turn out to be him." <laughs> like whenever there's a fairy tale, you can bet that the good wizard is really the doctor. Yeah. But the irony being. He's in this case seen as the the
0: trickster, the, the thing, trickster yeah. or
1: the goblin, you know, yeah. or the warrior, you know. Um, yeah, not things we normally. But and it's so. I mean, part of it is this is the doctor is viewed by the bad guys, like you know these like he's this goblin-y trickster that they that you know always destroys them and they fear above all else. But it's like even from the. Point of view of the innocent bystander it could still apply because it's you know it's this thing which drops out of the sky and tears down your world like you don't have to be a Dalek for that to apply to you
2: right you know right.
1: you could be you know some normal civilian on whatever planet and the doctor can drop out of the sky and tear down your world you know yeah so yeah so it works for all the kind of monster alliance of you know getting together to stop him but it also could just work you know for his the myth of the doctor and what does he mean and everything Mm -hmm. it's not i guess what i'm saying is it's not just villain propaganda Mm -hmm. like it actually there's like a legitimate way to read the doctor this way you know (laughs) right
0: right right and these are just all the ones who sort of have the firepower to do something about it um yeah, and I you know, then he goes through like we name all of the different uh one who are all, you know, like legitimate enemies of the doctor, sort of in their yeah. own right, the Daleks, Cybermen, Sintarans, uh T- Tirel- Tirel- T- What I don't know how to <laughs> pronounce that. <laughs> I Sli- don't know. Slitheen, Chelonian, Nestine, Dravine, Sycorax. Uh, yeah. Hemagoth, Zigon, Atraxi, Draconian. Uh, I think we also hear the Jadun in there, although I don't think they're named. I think at one point, don't we hear the... Well, we see oh, them. Oh, I do we? They
1: come, they come down into... I the, I, I thought I heard into, them, too, I mean,
0: like in, when they're sort of hearing the babble of the different, uh, yeah. you know, talking. But anyway, like...
1: Yeah, um, we see them, and we see that one. I don't know what he's called, but that one from Love and Monsters with the weird mouth. I love that one. <laughs>
0: Uh, the the absorbiloff?
1: No, the other one, the one they're chasing, like the Scooby Doo chase at the beginning of the oh, episode. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That guy. There's one part. There's one shot where it's just him, and he like looks at the camera. It's great.
0: Yep. No, um, I I remember what you're talking about. I don't know
1: if he has a name or not.
0: Yeah, because I was gonna say we did. We don't hear Absorbaloff, and they don't mention Clum at all. So you know.
1: <laughs> they don't mention Clum.
0: Uh, but they but they do mention Sladeen, which is isn't that the uh. Aren't they? Aren't they like the sister from the sister planet?
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, yeah. Roxacorica and Clum are sister planets. Right.
0: Uh, so, anyway, uh, we do like you know. There's the building moment, right? And and the you know we understand that from River that it's a trap and uh you know we're getting sort of fed this information and yeah uh, that's sort of where the dawning moment of like oh there's something bad going on here and you see yeah. all the people in here and you realize what is sort of happening with the pandorica and
2: yeah.
0: and of course it they follow through like you get you get the doctor going in it and i like that even right up to the very end he he doesn't really quite get it like he yeah. he he's like right. so you know they're describing like you know the cracks and like all of the you know stuff that's going on and and mm-hmm. uh, you know how the universe is coming apart and he's like oh so you want me to save it for you all yeah. you like all of my enemies <laughs> came to me to save the yeah. universe and they're oh, like how
1: sweet yeah no
0: we're actually the ones saving the universe here really? you're you're the one causing this um even though we don't know exactly how that's true or even if it's true um we get van gogh's painting is an explosion and we've we've seen the um the piece that he pulled out of the crack right uh and like he seems to think too like oh something's going wrong and he's telling river to land it and she tries to land and that's a very disheartening moment when she lands and the door is facing like a wall and she can't right. get out and yeah um so yeah
1: like after all of that she tries you know she actually does land it and then right yeah it's too late
0: right um but yeah like he just like he it's not until that last moment like that he and even then i guess i'm not 100 percent sure he still gets it you know what i mean like it's right it's right. like this this there's there's just this he still sees himself as the savior uh no matter what's going on and clearly they don't and there's some legitimate reason why they don't see him exactly as a savior um right but but there is that whole narcissism to his personality where he's like oh even my enemies come to me to help them out you know yeah but at the same time like he always tries to give them that out too, right. To not yeah. be his enemy. Like he tries to give them that chance to, uh, yeah. so like in his mind, he might almost see this as, Oh, they've come around to see, you right. know, my way sort of thing. So I, you know,
1: well, and, and there's the irony of the fact that they're trying to imprison him to prevent him causing the explosion. Mm-hmm is sort of what causes the explosion in the sense that if he cuz he's saying well it's the tardis that, that's exploding and i'm not in the tardis and if i can go get the tardis maybe i could stop this right. but they won't listen and put him in so yeah. there's the sense that they're kind of either you know they're kind of right and kind of wrong at the same time like sure yeah it is the doctor in the tardis that is causing this but in, you know putting him in the pandorica is actually the exact worst thing you could be doing right now, you know <laughs> yeah
0: yeah well, and and you get the i don't I can't remember which creature says it, but one of them says, like you know, oh, only the doctor can fly the tardis, which we know is not true, so right. like yeah right. there's there's they yeah, whatever they think, there's clearly something that they're missing or something wrong about what they think as well, right. so yeah no that's an important point to bring up thanks um because i i did sort of pick up on that a bit but Mm. um i guess i'm still not entirely sure like then because i mean we've had from the first episode you know the the idea of the cracks and that the doctor Mm. should know something about them and that possibly is causing them in some way but, like, we still don't know why or how or what that means right. exactly. So, right. you know, we do know that. I mean, the TARDIS, what in the first episode, the TARDIS was like on fire and, you know, going through right. like, right. you know, all these stuff. So, in a way, we've kind of come around almost full circle mm. uh, in this episode, um, you know, or in this season, mm-hmm. I mean. Um, yeah.
1: You know, yeah. To, and back to Amy's house and, and back to
0: Amy's house and whatever. So, it, that's kind of interesting. And and you get that moment of when like the screen in the um
1: cracks, uh,
0: yeah. In, in the TARDIS on the monitor or whatever cracks too. Uh and of course it's and it's the same shape. Uh Right. So
1: Yeah, no, we're definitely um there's more to be explained in terms of <sighs> Why the TARDIS is exploding, I guess, is still... Okay, Mm -hmm. so I think kind of what we can say by this point is what we know is that the cracks are caused by the TARDIS exploding, and it does that on that night in 2010 in Amy's house, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, but, you know, why it was drawn to that night and why it's exploding at all are the open ends of that question sure I think sure um, sometimes it's hard for me to keep straight exactly what we know <laughs> especially in these Moffat plots that yeah, get very it, twisty and um, and I'm sure
0: you don't want to give away anything too. I don't so. want to
1: I don't want to say things that aren't quite revealed yet um, yep. but I think at this point we know we know the problem if not the cause of the problem exactly like we mm-hmm. don't quite know why these things are happening but I think we can kind of say, all right, the TARDIS is exploding. It's causing these cracks through time and these cracks are causing moments in time. And eventually it looks like everything to mm. get erased, you know? And like, basically the doctor says like every moment in history, you know, yeah. is going to be lost eventually. And that's kind of like what looks like talk about cliffhangers. It ends with, the universe kind of going out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and Amy getting yeah. shot by Rory. Yeah. By yeah. duplicate Rory or whatever. We right. Call it. Right. Um, yeah. No,
1: there's like a bunch of multiple cliffhangers, you know, cause yeah. Yeah. Right. River in the TARDIS, the doctors in the Pandorica, Rory just shot Amy. And then if that's not enough, all the stars seem to be exploding and i love the way that the uni- the or the universe the music cuts out at the end like mm. there's like this big operatic score and then as it goes dark it just kind of stops mm. like like as if like things just sort of went dark um and it's one of those like so like in terms of like the best cliffhangers like definitely this is up there um you know The Doctor regenerating in The Stolen Earth is another great one, but that one's more a case of, oh my god, I can't believe that's happening. What's going to happen next? Whereas this is like, I don't even know how the story continues after this point, you know? (laughs) Yeah. What comes next, you know? What's the first moment of the next episode? Like, I certainly had no idea, like... Where do you even go from here? No. Um, and, and I and would defy anyone to know that, you know. No,
0: that's absolutely where I am right now. Right. So, anyway. Not to
1: rub that in, but I just think that's a really effective way of, you know, just pretty much, let's just kill everything and then see right. where we go from here. Right.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. So, um... That said, <laughs> we could at least talk about the character stuff oh, a little bit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of talked about the Doctor just character and stuff a bit. Like we get the um, narcissistic and and <laughs> uh, you know that and sort of the ignorance that comes with that, right? The sort of uh, yeah. I almost said willful. I don't know that it's willful, but it's definitely coupled with the idea of, you know, the narcissism that Mm -hmm. he just does not see certain things Um, like Rory when he's back. And he keeps using his name multiple times (laughs) and Rory is just kind of standing there like, hey, notice me and notice that I'm here. Uh, but the doctor totally is just taking him for granted as if he were never there
1: Uh, or
0: never, sorry, as if he were never Never there.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and
1: yeah, it's staring me in the face, Rory. I can see it. I'm not stupid. Yeah. Which, uh,
0: actually that line threw me back to, um, Shakespeare code and, and the doctor and Martha laying Mm. in bed together where he's said something similar about, you know, looking at me right About in the martha, face yeah. and martha's like yeah. what is it what is it yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um so
1: yeah you could draw some nice similarities between martha and rory i think you know yeah de- dependable characters who you do take for granted a little bit you know or at least the doctor does i think right um,
0: um so anyway but, the the yeah uh yeah so you get you get these little narcissistic moments although he does eventually you know obviously recognize that rory is there but that he shouldn't be yeah. and um
1: <laughs> i love that conversation of that awkward conversation of i'm not trying to be rude but you died yeah i know <laughs> i was there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i died and turned into a yeah. roman it's very distracting
2: <laughs> yep
0: yep i'm not trying to be rude uh and uh, right, so I guess we're kind of moving in. We'll talk about Rory because he okay, he gives yeah. no.
1: I don't want to get into that.
0: He gives the the um, explanation about you know oh I was in a cave with you and Amy I was dying and then I was just here. Um, but of yeah. course it turns out not to be Rory. It's uh it it's a duplicate and actually um, very similar. Uh, from, like, the hand-opening perspective to mm-hmm. the Atans from way back yeah. in Rose. And I...
1: I mean, I kind of take it as they're similar sorts of well, that's, things. Well, that's what I was going to say. Because the Doctor even says, driven by the nesting consciousness, eh? So it was a nice callback okay. to Rose. I,
0: yeah. I don't know that I, I caught that line. Like, it must have been really quick or something. Because
1: i think when he figures out what they are he says that okay. at some point
0: gotcha um
1: and yeah so it's definitely supposed so, okay, to be so these that are makes sense. these are types of autons that they're like you know plastic duplicates with little guns in their hands and yeah stuff.
0: um and poor rory and uh <laughs> i did catch that the Nestine was one of the species mm-hmm. you know around the planet so i guess that makes sense um but yeah, so this is Rory, but not Rory kind of thing. Like where, right. you know, it's a great copy who has Rory's memories um, yeah. of the dying and whatever. And I'm curious about that, like, too, like, and I don't know if we'll ever get this an answer to that. But like, how does it have those memories and, you know, that he was in a cave dying? Like, is there something right. tied to the cracks that was able to take those memories from him because I don't, I don't know that that, like they didn't go back to Amy's house after that. So like, you know, there, we get the explanation that, oh, you know, there's like this psychic field that it can, mm-hmm. you know, can pick up on to use elements of Amy's right. life. But like, right. I, how does yeah. that happen? When that's something like that. I don't know that
1: they like ever that? really explain that really well. Yeah.
0: And maybe they don't. Um, and I mean, I've, come to be more okay with the non-explanations of those sorts of things than I was sure. maybe in the early seasons. But um, yeah. those are just sort of things I wonder. Like, that's where my yeah. mind sort of jumps to is, okay, but how do they know what Rory's thoughts were? and Or even, right. like, how he died or whatever. Like Right. Anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would be... We could probably speculate our way towards an answer but i don't know that that's ever really addressed in the story so it would only be sort of a you know kind of retcon of us trying to make sense of it yeah
0: um but i like i like
1: just just do what the doctor does just call it a miracle
0: I like the yeah. Well, that's where I was going next. Was I was going to say I like the sort of existential conversation that Rory and the Doctor have. You know, Rory's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why am I here? You know, and yeah. the Doctor <laughs> the Doctor's great answer because you are, um, yeah. which can sound sort of facetious and whatever, but like yeah. I like he's not saying it that way. It's total earnest. Yeah. Why are you here? Because you are. Like yeah. there is a point where questioning things too much, which seems to yeah. be one of Rory's faults, uh, mm-hmm. you know, does become a liability. So mm-hmm. uh, you get the doctor's explanation, you know, universe is big. It's vast and complicated and ridiculous. And sometimes very rarely impossible things just happen. And we call them miracles. And that's the theory. 900 years, never seen one yet, but this would do me like, so,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, even the doctor sort of prepared to like, understand like, this is something that I just, I can't explain.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and actually, we have sort of seen him in that mode before. I'm thinking particularly of, like, the Satan pit, where, mm-hmm. you know, he says, yeah. I accept that there's a physical presence here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it means. I don't know if that means you're Satan or what, you know, like, right." but obviously I can't deny the fact that this, is... so I mean, and yeah. maybe that's sort of the opposite of what we're talking about here. Cause it's, you know, miraculous versus sort of uh, demonic or whatever. I don't know what the opposite right. of but that would be, but
1: it's the doctor's sort of cheerful agnosticism. Like sometimes he yeah. just can't explain something, but that doesn't mean that he denies its existence. He just sort of, happily acknowledges that yeah. I can't really explain this one. Yeah. Uh, and, you know... Of course. That's that's about all we can do. You know, like, so he has kind of... In the face of the unexplainable, that tends to be... He doesn't kind of... Uh, you know, for someone who I think rash- seems to be, like, a character who wants to explain things and rationalize something, when he comes up to something he can't explain, he sort of... Accepts it, you know, and kind of like he says, like I think in the Satan Pit, like that's why he keeps traveling is to, you know, test the limits of his knowledge and bump up against the unexplainable and everything. Mm.
0: Um. Yep. No, I remember that. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I mean, I like that. I mean, of course, then we later get the explanation. It's not Rory. It's a sure. duplicate. So. Sure.
1: Yeah. yeah I, I like. Well, but 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 I think that could tie into like. The fact that Rory seems like more than just one of the other Autons. That it does seem like his real personality and even memories, which are, like you said, shouldn't really be part of this. If this is totally based on the memory residue in the house or a photograph, Rory would be a much more one-dimensional presence, I think. Like, it would look like him, but it wouldn't really think like him or act like him, whereas he seems like no, he's really there. Like he might be made of plastic, <laughs> but like his actual soul or whatever is in there. Yeah. So that's the part to me that is still a little bit miraculous. Like even though okay, you can explain away his physical presence with the autons, it doesn't really account for all the kind of roariness that goes along with it. Yeah. So, I so I think it it goes both ways. Like it's explainable and rational, but also there's still something kind of unexplained about it, too.
0: Sure. And and that's yeah, no, I think you're right there. Um and and so we get that which actually, this resonated very much with the end of the Buffy episode, or the end yeah. of the Angel episode, too. The, no, I'm not going, I'm Rory, please no, I don't want to go, I'm Rory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of, uh, when Buffy's, you know, saying, uh, oh, what is it, you know, oh God, yeah, I, like it's not minute. enough time, yeah, you know, not it's, enough. it's yeah. you know, I... I I don't want to go kind of thing. Like there's some, what's she she keep repeating? I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but anyway. She says
1: like, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Yeah. I'll never forget.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. So
1: yeah, that kind of futile denial, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't want to go. And
1: I I think there's the, um, I think the line, I don't want to go jumps out. Oh yeah.
0: No, that's exactly what I was going to say. I I was going to say the please. No, I don't No, No, I think it's fine. (laughs) I, I, the, please no, I don't want to go. I'm Rory. Like he's, you know, defying the universe by saying his name, you know, it's almost, and the, I don't want to go obviously. Mm -hmm. Yes. With, you know, the doctors leaving, but the, I'm Rory is also like, I'm the doctor, you know, like it's, he's sort of stating himself to the universe and daring it to like take him, you know? And, and that's interesting because it's like, I mean, he's not really, he's not like physically going, he's not physically changing like the doctor does, mm. but you get that sense that there's something happening, you know, on the control, mental yeah. or, you know, soul level, whatever you right. want to call that, right. like w- whatever that is, you know, what however we define a soul or, you know, something that makes him unique and individual and, uh, you know, having a will of his own is leaving him in some way. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we don't know what that is or whatever, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And kind of too. like, not only has he died already, but having been erased, at least for a while, there's that sense of I'm Rory being the, like the assertion that, you know, mm. no, I'm really here. Right. You know, it really is me. Like, not I know he's not being erased again, but there's that, that kind of resonance of, him being you know uh like asserting his own existence i guess you know
0: um and then he shoots amy
1: and then he shoots amy (laughs) uh
0: right after she started remembering him which is the other thing right he she remembers who he is his last name it's you know it seems like
1: it's his whole like his whole kind of raging against fate that kind of trigger it's like him saying, no, I'm Rory, I'm not going, and then that that's when she like it's almost like that is what has the effect, yeah um it seems to me,
0: yeah, no, I definitely think that's a trigger, and uh, yeah it is right, she's like, you know i'm he goes like I'm Rory, and she says Williams, right, so it's definitely like. Yeah, his statement yeah. of that is her unlocking of the memories, which we get those, you know, explanations from the doctor. Right, nothing is ever forgotten, not completely. If it can remember, mm-hmm. it can come back, and that's that's sort of the process. And and we get even before that, we get that there's something Amy doesn't specifically remember it, but like you know, she's she's crying and she's like why am I crying? I'm, I'm happy. Why am I happy? Like something's (laughs) happening here. Like there's, there's a memory that she's not sort of fully engaged in. Even at that point, it seems like, um, that, that we're meant. And we've seen, you know, the, before the, you know, Van Gogh, why are you crying? You know, you lost someone. No, I didn't. Well, why are you crying then? Like, Oh, I'm crying. Like there's something subconsciously at least that, she's able to, to remember um yeah and it's not until that yeah like you said like his sort of assertion of his roariness that um <laughs> that she does remember and not just remember his name but remembers like facts about him like who he is and you know that he's her boyfriend and that he's from ledworth and that you know yeah these different things about him so um that's cool. And that's a far cry from the beginning of the episode when she's just sort of staring at the engagement ring and being like, where did right. this come from? Right. Like, are, were you going to ask someone to marry you? Like what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I kind of have a lot to talk about with Amy specifically since we've sort of switched over to her a bit. Um but that one line does sort of stand out that, that the doctor asks, uh, does it ever bother you, Amy, that your life doesn't make any sense? Um, yeah. And I and I really like that in contrast mm. to what Rory is asking of, well, you know, why am I here? Like, it's yeah. it's another very sort of existential question is, your life doesn't make any sense. Does that bother you? Like, you know, and actually where – where you get that Rory is the one who asks too many questions and ponders Mm -hmm. things way too much. Amy's the one who goes maybe errantly in the opposite direction where maybe she doesn't stop and think about how much life doesn't make sense at any given point. And she does just sort of roll with things, but not, always in the most positive way, I would say mm. uh,
2: yeah.
0: like, like that. Maybe there is actually a little time for proper reflection. Um, right. And that somewhere between the two extremes of Amy and Rory is perhaps the correct, uh, you know, mix of them, mm. of their personalities. Um, I, yeah. but, but at the same time, the doctor doesn't always stop for that reflection either. And he explicitly, I love that, uh, you know, Never ignore a coincidence, unless you're busy, in which case always ignore a coincidence. <laughs> like, he, you know, once again, he recognizes that there's something there, yeah. but that in that instance, he is willful about his ignorance. He yeah. literally says, I'm going to choose to ignore this because I'm too busy to sort of yeah. think about it now. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Anyway.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really obviously, you know, significant, you know, even though we don't quite know what he means by it yet. It's clear that that line is significant and that, again, bringing it back around to the first episode, you know, where he meets little Amelia in her house, Mm. you know, and is intrigued by her and her relationship to this crack in the wall and finds that a kind of intriguing you know, proposition, we kind of still don't really know what it is that fascinated him by it, but you get his admission that I lied, I didn't just want company, I had a, you know, not that he doesn't enjoy Amy's company, but that he also had this other motive, you know, that, and there was something about her in that big empty house that didn't make sense, and, you know, um, and I think, at least when I watched this the first time, I don't know if you have any other thoughts. I'm totally with Amy in that moment. I'm like, "What do you mean it doesn't make any sense?" <laughs> like, it. You know, I. I mean, I guess he could say that he's just talking about the crack, but it seems like he's still holding something back there. Like, what is it that doesn't make sense exactly? So.
0: Yeah, no, I have no idea what he's talking about there. I mean. Other than you know why why choose her as the one to sort of take her memories from because you get the sense that all of those mm-hmm. uh, like the Pandorica and you know the Roman soldiers mm-hmm. and whatever like those right. were favorites even before the Doctor it seems like right, um, right. you know based on like the storybooks and that kind of thing like those were those are things that like seemed like yeah she was into even before uh, yeah you know before the doctor came around so there there does seem to be something
1: right something about amy
0: something about amy and that's where the cra- yeah. like the crack is in the wall already when the doctor shows up
1: mm yeah
0: so right i mean and that's you know that's not to say that the doctor son couldn't still have caused it because you know it's a time thing so you know right. it it the doctor still may have caused the crack but right. But there's the fact that it's there, you know, we don't know how long it's been there.
2: Um, right.
0: so it could have been there since Amy was born for all we know. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. What kind of shenanigans was that crack getting up to?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway. Yeah,
1: no, it's a, it's an intriguing line. So we'll come back to that.
0: Um, so, oh, um, I, we should probably talk a little bit about River, too. Yeah. Although, I don't, I mean, so the early stuff, like, up through her being Cleopatra, that's fine. Um, I like her whole sort of confrontation with the Roman soldiers and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, what do the barbarians think of you? And then she, like, mm-hmm. shows them her gun and she's like, you're all barbarians now. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, this is... As as far advanced as your military is compared to, yeah. like, all the people you've conquered, we are way, way beyond you. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no, that's just a great little moment
1: where... Yeah, interesting little analogy Yeah, uh, between the varying kind of levels of civilization and everything and right. what kind of weaponry yeah. and how their forces are and everything. Yeah,
0: I mean, because there's no doubt for the time the Romans were, you know... The technological marvel of the world, Mm -hmm. like I mean, they they had it all. They had the machinery and the weaponry and you know whatever. Um, the Doctor and so I don't. I may be reading more into this than not because she goes and does it, but the Doctor sort of sends her off right to the TARDIS, and Mm -hmm. it seems like she kind of gives him a little look like. Maybe she doesn't want to quite do that, but maybe, I don't know. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's just me being overly.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I can't quite think of that moment, so I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Well, we, uh, we don't have to dwell on it.
1: How much significance to put in that.
0: Uh, but yeah, we already sort of talked about how she goes back to Amy's house and see, like sort of puts together how everything's tied to her. And, like, yeah. relates the fact that it's a trap, basically, to the Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. She does acknowledge that the Doctor taught her how to fly the TARDIS in this yeah. episode, uh, which, before, she sort of played it off, like, you know, I was I yeah. was taught by the best, but, oh, it's too right. bad you, oh, were, you busy were busy that, that day. day. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, sort of implying that that wasn't the case, but here she does say that the right. doctor taught her. Um,
1: right. And that, yeah. So you kind of realize how much of Rivers, what she says is like a cover or, or glibness or whatever. Like, you know, you might not totally believe her in any you know, given situation. Cause yeah. she definitely did give that impression before. And now it's like, okay, Joking's over, seriously. Yeah, I was going to say, like you taught me how to fly it. It seems
0: seems in this instance that this is the truth, right? Right,
1: yeah. Like, okay, we're being serious now, yep.
0: Um, And then you get that moment at the end where she says, I'm sorry, my love. And so you Mm. get that reinforcement of that there's some really deep relationship relationship here that we still don't know completely what it is. Yeah. uh, Despite sort of Amy's earlier uh (laughs) assertion that it really could be as simple as that she's his wife (laughs)
2: yeah
0: um the the other thing so the sort of i think story-wise the important thing here is we get the uh repetition of the silence will fall uh Mm. voice um that Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be any of the known uh Members yeah. of the Doctor's Enemy Alliance, right? The the DEA, Doctor's Enemy Alliance. <laughs> um, the so yeah, like, and we get yeah, so we get that a couple times, and we also get, uh, you know, the fact that she's not controlling, or at least not completely controlling, the TARDIS. That she can't land it yeah. because she says someone else is controlling it. Um, she does sort of manage to override that and land, but as we said she Mm. she's like up against a wall so she can't actually get out of the TARDIS um so that's interesting too that that the TARDIS can be controlled and I we've seen sort of like tractor beamy type stuff before but this seems like more fine-tuned than that like Mm -hmm. it, it seemed like yeah there was like a little more purpose and finesse behind the controlling of the TARDIS insofar as there's finesse to driving the yeah. TARDIS. Um,
1: yeah, no, I think it's <clears throat> important to separate um, the DEA, as you call them, who don't know, don't seem to really know why or how the TARDIS explodes. Because if they did, they wouldn't be sticking the Doctor in the Pandora. I don't think. like, Sure. Um, you know, because that's, again, what leaves it vulnerable. So the fact, so, okay, for separating the fact that they... Created the Pandorica. Or I don't know if they created it. Who knows where it came from. But they have the Pandorica. And uh, they're using that. To imprison the doctor. So they create the trap for him. And you know. Devise a scenario from Amy's memories. So I suppose they. I assume they're the ones who break into the house. And rummage through her stuff. And find information about Pandora. And romans and all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing and like just what they know of the doctor like what kind of scenario would he be attracted to investigate and everything yeah yeah so i think all that we can attribute to the dea um whereas the the thing whatever it is that's controlling the tardis um and you know putting it wherever it puts it and causing it to explode um seems to be something else you know that that's like a player that we don't really know about yet and um yeah and the 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 silence I guess seems to be connected with that yeah you know that that's what's kind of invading the tardis in that moment yeah um so yeah, for like mythological reasons, I think it's important to separate all those things out because they get a little bit confusing um but going forward, I think it's good to sort of have them as separate kind of parties in our minds. All
0: right. Well, I shall do that. Anyway. So, yeah. So now here we are many cliffhangers. We'll see which ones hold up and which ones fall, I guess. Yeah. Uh, All right. On to Angel.
1: Angel with a, heavy dose of buffy on the side. Yeah.
0: No, well, he's sure <laughs> um, sure got a heavy dose of buffy on very, the side. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah, well that's true. Um <laughs> very interesting episode. Um Yeah. I I liked the crossover with Oz earlier and I like Spike crossing back and forth and kind of bouncing around as he's been doing, but um Cool to see Buffy, like, really heavily involved in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, It was uh, a really interesting way to do it. Um, So I think let's start by talking just about Angel and Buffy and what they experience in this episode. Mm. Um, So, I mean, obviously you're right from last time that it doesn't pick up... I wasn't quite right that it picked up seconds after the last episode ended, but... Soon after. Yeah. Um, And I kind of like that they kind of give Buffy the excuse of visiting her dad. Because I presume that was kind of around the holiday, you know, for Thanksgiving. Like maybe she went there for for dinner one night or whatever. Um,
2: It's the
0: next day. The next day. Yeah. Because we get get the mention from Buffy, uh, you helped me last night. So now it's my right. turn to help you. And okay. and Angel's like, oh, we're keeping score now. So it's, yeah, it's literally yeah. the next day right, the after next day. the. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah so I Thanksgiving mean, really... is Thursday. This is Black Friday, I guess, basically.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's just obviously like not doing a huge amount with the dad, but kind of acknowledging that he exists and <laughs> she does see him occasionally. Yeah.
0: We don't um, we don't get much of that sort of acknowledgement from so yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah.
1: Um but I think it's kind of interesting to I mean, obviously like when it starts, there's that kind of awkward tension, you know, of them not quite sure how to Uh, relate to each other and I think it's interesting that they seem to be like one of the ways they're keeping this very sort of formal and Mm -hmm. business like is is that notion of having an even score like owing each other things you know like if, if one of them does the other one a favor or rescues them or whatever then they feel like they kind of you know owe it to that person but in a way where you get, you get the sense that like, paying off that debt is what would free them from the relationship, you know, because like that's a way of keeping the distance, you know. Yeah. Sort of like, sort of like, angels being able to accept money from his customers, like it's like the thing which like allows you to like be professional and not personal and everything. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought that kind of made. I mean, obviously, you know, you also get the sense from Buffy that she's kind of, I mean, more than a little bit pissed off that he didn't say anything and that she didn't know he was there. So there's the sense that she just really wants to talk to him about that and actually get the chance to see him and tell him how annoyed she is about that. But then there's also just the sense of, okay, well, you came and did me a favor, so, you know, I feel like I owe it to you now to do something and... um You know, she doesn't necessarily come to fight a demon with him, but that's sort of how it ends up working out, so... Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh... The thing to which, uh... Uh... What was I gonna say? Oh, no, you know what? I was looking at the wrong part of my notes. Never mind. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Brain spaz there. Um... Oh, okay. Here's what I was going to say. Uh, I want to come back to this at the end because, uh, you know, we get the very conspicuous line um, when they're kind of discussing how to deal with the relationship um, where Buffy says, given enough time, we should be able to, and Angel says, forget. And mm-hmm. Buffy says, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, this sense that, you know, the more time they're apart from each other, the easier it is to, you know, the time actually, time and space for them is actually making a difference. And Buffy talks about how her life has actually improved somewhat, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, not sure. entirely. And not entirely, like, she had to go through some really tough times, and Parker was no walk in the park. So it's not like it's been all sunshine and roses since then. But, right. but, um, she isn't as. Devastated about uh, their relationship as she has been in the past. Um, and she actually does seem like, like, as much as she has gone through a nightmare with Parker, like, now she's sitting back and thinking, well, actually, my life is pretty good these days. And, you know, school's going well. You know, friends are going well. Riley has the potential to go well. Um, so, like, when much as she might have felt differently, I think by this point, she's actually looking back and saying, maybe this was a good idea. Um And she was pretty upset with him, with Angel when he left, but now sure. she seems to <clears throat> kind of have seen, you know, why that might have been a good move. Right. Which is interesting.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's all true. Um Yeah. So... I, you, you know, you get the you get the whole okay. She's coming to confront him because he went to L.A. to, or he went to Sunnydale. I mean, to uh, you know, to help her out, but never like actually appeared to her. Or, you know, yeah, talk to her or whatever. Um, and it's, I I think they do a really good job of describing both sides of this, right? Because like on the one hand, like yeah, was really sneaky and. Mm-hmm. you know sort of deceptive i mean not sort of it was deceptive of angel to right. you know to have gone there but on the other hand he did have sort of good motives like it wasn't i mean yeah. and and not just that she needs protection which I, I like that moment where she says you know oh you know unless i was under attack by very strong spirit or demon or whatever that actually was the case when you came to help me so um you know there is like sort of some legitimacy there but also it was you know it was it was trying to preserve sort of like what you're talking about like the the distance and you know the the forgetfulness like And we even, you know, even in the conversation with Giles that Angel had last week, you know, it was, you know, I'm not getting the good end of this deal. I'm the one who has to see her and has to know what I'm missing out on and
2: all Mm -hmm. of that. So
0: that does make it hard. Um, So, yeah, I don't you know, I don't know that there's any great insight, but it is it is one of those sticky situations where, okay, I mean, you're X now. You're not together. Right. And it's going to sort of be messy uh, Mm -hmm. just by the very nature of that fact. And so you can't, uh, you know, you you, you can't just necessarily do what you want without impunity because there's two of you sort of involved and you're both struggling Mm -hmm. and it's not a hate thing. It's, you know, a too much love thing, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. So like there is, there is that, that idea that even though he may have been wrong to not talk to her, you sort of understand why he didn't. And and,
2: yeah.
0: and that, you know, it actually would have worked out fine if Xander had just kept his big mouth shut. Um, <laughs> it's,
1: it's all Xander's fault. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, obviously not really. It's, <laughs> you know, still maybe wasn't the best idea that Angel ever had, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, anyway, so, there's all of that in there. Um. Yeah. And of course you get the Oh, okay, so we're sitting here talking. And oh, of course a demon attacks. So let's yeah, yeah. you know, let's fight it together. Oh, oops, we fell on the floor. I, I fell on top of you on the floor. Yeah. And, you know, you have that moment, and then you have the sort of heated discussions in the sewers, and then later yeah. uh, you know, just the the you know the whole being thrown into a very passionate I I love when uh Buffy oh, I can't remember what it is Angel says but Buffy goes into you know like her whole uh you know well it is confusing and the... oh yeah uh yeah. Angel goes says something like oh I feel strange or something like that yeah like, like I feel it feels, weird. Weird, it feels weird yeah
1: yeah right he's talking about like the, the blood and everything like he feels physically yeah, like, weird like, like whereas the chemical she's, like, effects talking about, of the demon yeah. blood and he's yeah he
2: she
0: goes on with the you know all the emotional stuff yeah you
1: Burying know it is soul, confusing yeah. and you
0: know yeah. all that stuff yeah too. and
1: i like how uh cordy keeps interjecting like all this commentary about them as a couple that like <laughs> they interpret the fighting you know when they hear like yeah furniture smashing and like that they must be having one of their like one of their many their battles where yeah. like their epic like like it's like it turned into the end of season two in there or something yeah, like yeah. you know they're like trying to kill each other but also like Still that in love, is metaphorical yeah. for their like torrid love affair and everything yeah and how like loving each other and fighting each other are like synonymous for Buffy yeah. and Angel. Like that's kind of just how their relationship works.
2: Yeah.
0: Um well I like I, I like that. So there's obviously like the practical reason for Cordy doing this, right? Because there are people who may be watching Angel that didn't watch Buffy and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um right. But I always got the sense of like in her little explanations to Doyle, oh let me tell you about the lore, right? Like this is that that this is um you know like if if you have a show that you really like and you know, you're watching it with a friend who hasn't seen the first, you know, several seasons of that show and right. so you're trying to like catch them, catch up, them up on the what's street. going yeah, yeah. on and and you really want them to like understand, but like as much as right. you explain it, they yeah, don't yeah. really get it. It's like,
1: okay, okay, they used to date and then he got his soul back and he went crazy yeah. and all that like <laughs> he's trying to like okay, so now they're upset because of this. Like
0: Yeah. 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 Um Yeah. But anyway, no, it was and, funny.
1: I, and I want to talk about this later, too, because I think this episode can be read on that kind of, like, more meta level of, like, self-comment, self, self comment, you know, mm-hmm. kind of on how, on the story and what we know of, like, Buffy and Angel and how they interact and everything. Sure, so,
2: sure.
1: Um, yeah, so it is interesting to have Cordy there as, like, the, giving the, like, little running commentary on, right. this is the story thus far, this is what you need to know. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, and yeah. and again, like when you know, oh, you know, they've been apart all this long and he's mortal now, I'm sure they're just down there having tea and biscuits, and then of course, that's exactly what they're right, doing, right? Is...
0: Right? Yeah, they actually <laughs> or are... crackers or whatever yeah, she says,
1: yeah. yeah, and then of course, that's what they're doing. <laughs> uh, not that it stays that way for very long, but
0: no, yeah. but they right, they so go... her
1: instincts are spot on, but at the moment, she happens to be wrong,
0: um yeah yeah so it's sort of i guess back to buffy and angel though yeah like okay so now angel is human and they both know it and they're trying to do the mature thing right like yeah (laughs) you know oh well we we shouldn't just jump back into anything let's you know take it easy see where it goes see what happens and all it takes is one touch of the hand and suddenly they're naked and eating ice cream again so like
1: Yeah, I like how it goes from the really kind of, you know, keeping themselves under check tea and crackers to, like, you know, throwing, throwing each other down on the table. Like, it, like, goes completely the opposite direction by the end of the scene. Yeah. Um.
0: Um.
1: Yeah, and you get to see them... Indulging in that, and it not going completely to hell immediately afterwards. (laughs) Right. So, it's sort of, like, all the, uh, all the pleasure of that kind of, like, uh, what is it? Innocence storyline, but without the, like, like, this is for real, like, if Angel was mortal again. Like, it's just, like Buffy says, like, it's great, it's normal, you know, there's nothing, uh nothing dangerous or that spectacular like from a like i mean it might be spectacular but from you know the danger point of view yeah um this is what she wants is
2: yeah well you know, this is I, all
1: the good and none of the bad
0: <laughs> i i think what they both wanted i mean that yeah definitely yeah. definitely is the case and so actually before we go on that level there there though that um when Angel walks in, you know from outside, and he's human, and it's sunny out, and you know, and Cordy and Doyle are sort of realizing what's going on, what's going on um, with him eating all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, great little parallel there to uh, Matt Smith in the first episode. I thought that's
1: what I thought too, yeah. especially yogurt.
0: Yeah, yogurt. the yogurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I I I love that. Like yeah. again, with these like little moments where. David Morianis can sort of break Mm -hmm. out of the mopey angel character and, you know, have some real comedic, uh yeah you, you know moments there and and Cordy's like, Oh yeah, you know, they didn't even have cookie dough fudge mint chip when you were alive. Yeah. Mm, I want some. Can you get that? <laughs> like
1: Yeah, and then Buffy says like <laughs> you've been mortal like two minutes and you already have like cookie dough ice cream. Right. Like priorities are totally right <laughs> yeah. on top.
0: Right. And he's like, yeah. why didn't you ever tell me about peanut butter and chocolate? So like Yeah, because yeah. like chocolate was around when he was there, but peanut butter hadn't right. been invented yet. So it's like right. Right. you know these <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it kind of drives home how it's not just happiness that he's lacking, you know, obviously that's important, but like all of these little um, pleasures of being alive that you take Mm. for granted day to day. So not just like, oh, I can't have, you know, an actual fulfilled relationship with somebody, but like he can't even really enjoy food, Mm -hmm. you know, or... You know, I'm sure there's other things we could think of, but like, you know, there's so much more to being alive that he's not accessing, Um, you know, and in some ways smaller things, but those things that kind of make life worth living and fill your day and everything Mm -hmm. like those little things that I think you just sort of forget to think about. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. All the little conveniences.
1: And I mean, we
0: we get those sometimes too. Like, you know, it could be like, if you sprain your ankle, you know, well, it sucks that you, you know, aren't able to walk around like that and you have to use crutches and whatever. Or like if there's something that you use every day and you lose it, like I just lost Mm -hmm. my cell phone the other day and I can't find it. And that's annoying. And you know, that kind of thing. And it's not, you know, and, 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 you know, okay. Yeah. First world problems and all of that. But, but there is sort of that, like, yeah, those little those little things that you just sort of take for granted on a daily basis. That you know now you have these little pleasures when you notice them and and can have them again.
2: Um,
1: yeah, which is kind of a nice segue because kind of what um, the oracles end up saying is you know you're mortal now with all of the 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 pain and the pleasure that comes along with that. So. That's a good point. You know, like okay, if being mortal means he can, you know, be happy with Buffy and eat junk food, it also means that there's a lot of things that come along with it, like spraining your ankle, you know, or whatever. Like or that he can be
0: the ice cream will go straight to your thighs, as Cordy says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: or he feels sick after he's eaten all the food yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um
0: Or so that you can't fight like you
2: exactly well that's
1: what i was thinking of like with the sprained ankle is like okay you're a lot less effective now as a evil fighting machine yeah um you know and you know so there's a lot of you know the 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 benefit of life comes along with all of these risks yeah you know for for damage and disappointment and you know pain and everything
0: Um, um and and the other thing that i would say is that you get you get the change, you know, you get those sorts of change, but there's also the thing that doesn't change is who you are. Like mm-hmm. you you still keep your personality, but that also means you keep your tragic flaws too. And so in this episode, even yeah. after we've had, you know, the conversation about, you know, you should have not done this thing in secret – what's the very thing that angel does is he goes off in secret without telling Buffy what he's doing, thinking that he can take this demon on by himself in human form. Yeah. uh, While he leaves her sleeping and, and you know, it's just like, come on, dude. Like, I know.
1: I started yelling at him around when he was wondering whether or not to even tell her that he'd been turned mortal. And like, and, yeah. and then, yeah, when he does sort of leave her in the bed, like, don't you want to wake her? Not for the world. I was like, oh, Angel, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to be crazy, yeah. you know, um, which is a nice parallel to last week. Again, like you said, like where that's that is his fatal flaw. You yeah. know, that's his weakness is his overprotectiveness of her to the point where that is the thing which hurts her, you know. Yeah. Um, um
0: and this this brings up um a quote that I found from Peter Beagle actually, uh mm. who wrote The Last Unicorn and, and some other stuff, uh where he 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 had an essay um in the book Five Seasons of Angel, uh and he writes that Angel is one of those heroes who flourishes on frustration, uh who thrives on never achieving their heart's desire. And that seems to be exactly what's going on in this episode. Like it's, you know, he, even when things are going good, he figured, Mm -hmm. he seems to figure out some way.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, to have it not, not work out, you know, like he,
2: (laughs) yeah.
0: I don't know. It just, yeah, there's, there's that, there is that melancholiness in him that no matter how yeah. good things are, it there's there's something wrong, and if there isn't, then it's it he becomes self destructive, liter literally in this case because he goes off to try to fight this demon and who kicks his butt, yeah. uh, you know. So it's fortunately yeah. Buffy wakes up and sort of saves him, and and you know. That's all good, but it's like, you know, it's these same decisions that he's making with regard to Buffy to be secretive, to go off and try to do things on his own without including her that once again. And
1: and Angel does seem more of like, you know, if I'm thinking like long term arcs, you know, mm -hmm. and this is speculation because, you know, I could be totally wrong, but it does seem like Angel is more of a. Tragic hero than Buffy. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't mean that to say that, you know, I don't know, like, whether Buffy will get a happy ending and Angel won't, or that, I don't mean that to say that, you know, Buffy's situation isn't tragic, Um. and it certainly doesn't mean that she's perfect or that she doesn't make mistakes, but Buffy seems more like a hero doing her best under really difficult or tragic circumstances, you know, whereas it seems like there's something in Angel himself, which is tragic. Like you said, like, and I'm sure that's the nature of the character because of being this demon with a soul, you know, that, you know, that he, there's something innate to him, Mm -hmm. which prevents his own happiness, you know, because by definition his happiness is dangerous you know um so any uh any kind of movement towards like like you said like fulfillment of his desires
2: mm-hmm.
1: inevitably turns self-destructive because for him to function as the hero he can't indulge in that yeah um so you're always going to get this tragic return and it's always going to be Flaws which are innate to the character, you know, like sure. more of these, not just, not just like Buffy, like he has faults like we all do, but like actual tragic flaws, yeah. you know, <laughs> like those, those same things that you can point to that say, you know, this is what Angel does, you know, and it yeah. is that, that, uh, that secretiveness and that kind of, you know, Self, self-sacrifice self but to like the point of you know sacrificing Buffy along with it you know like right. uh, her wishes her happiness her you know awareness of what's going on yeah um, yeah he, he'll put those down as well to you know to do whatever he thinks he needs to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that's a shame for Angel but like Maybe that's part of why, like, his show is a little bit darker than Buffy's. Like, Buffy's, you can imagine having more of a a happy culmination, you know? Um, Like, it seems like more of a... There's more hopefulness there. Whereas for Angel, it seems like it always comes back to this kind of same old issues and it's this the, the same flaws and they're sort of repeated and everything.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that that all makes sense. And I mean, we can see how well that holds up on one show or the other, you know, yeah. throughout because as we go, and, yeah. and there's going to be an ebb and flow in, yeah, in absolutely. both shows. I mean, it's not yep. always going to be tragic and angel and it's not always going to be happy and Buffy. So like, yep. I mean that, that I think is something we can look at but uh at least to this point I would say that 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 makes sense um mm-hmm. so yeah uh, but he
1: was frustrating <laughs> I definitely at one point like spoke to my TV and was like stop it
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: Like, she just told you this, like, a couple hours ago. Stop it.
0: Yeah. So, I guess, Uh, you know, in, in talking about that then, like, okay, so, how do you feel then about his decision to go back to the Oracles and beg for his, you know, old self back? I mean. I mean, besides the fact that without doing so, there wouldn't really be a show. I mean like like (laughs) if we can sort of divorce the Right narratively you have to do do
1: it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I mean Well, it's hard to say. It's that old Aslan quote, no one's ever told what would have happened. So who's to say, you know, what would have happened had this not, you know Well had this not gone down. So it but it's that same kind of thing of You know, like, on the one hand, you want him to not, you know, control her and and to give her the choice and to, you know, always do that. But on the other hand, then there is that part of you that says, well, maybe he is saving her. Maybe it is for her own good, you know. And without without knowing what would have happened, who are we to say different, yeah. you know. And he has to do what his conscience tells him kind of thing. But so it's, it's conflicted, I think.
0: Yeah, no, it, it definitely is because it's, it's yet again, him, right. Making that choice and keeping secret. And now it's like the ultimate secret, right? Now, yeah. now he's, he has this whole like extra 24 hours in his head yep. that Buffy knows nothing about. Um Yeah and not only that she doesn't know about but that basically is the fulfillment of her romantic dreams yeah. <laughs> you know oh. like
2: <laughs> oh. Poor Muffy.
0: I know right and 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 you get that moment of like when she asks like you know well how can i go on knowing what might have yeah. been and oh. he's like well you won't know only i'll yeah. know
1: yeah and i really liked her um like the way Sarah Michelle Gellar played it like her panic at the end mm-hmm. of like yeah. how you know how distraught she seemed at how at like realizing what that was and and that it's happening it's going right now mm-hmm. you know that sense of like you know her trying to very like Amy trying to like desperately cling to that memory in the last minute and mm-hmm. kind of swearing up and down that she won't forget it Um, And actually, that reminds me of something. Actually, this was only, like, the other day, um, but very timely. Whedon-esque, that uh, website, and they have, like, a Twitter profile and everything. Mm. They tweeted um, a tweet that said, I will remember you is the best Buffy episode never made. Um, And I thought Mm. that was a really interesting statement, and it made me think about the episode a little bit differently because... That's exactly what it is, and I love that, the fact that this happens in this is an Angel episode, right? So, I like that for a couple different reasons, like, obviously it's more Angel's story, in the sense that it's him as the kind of point of view it's him, it's his decisions, and at the end, he's the one that remembers it not Buffy, so it makes sense that it happens in Angel, rather than Buffy Mm. Um, but also, the sense that if you were to just watch Buffy and not watch Angel, you would be where Buffy is. Whereas, like, you would you would have no idea that this story happened. Right. Which I think is really intriguing. Again, from that kind of more meta level. Like, according to the Buffy timeline, this did not happen. Yeah. You know, like, you can actually separate it out and blow right past it and have no idea. And... It be none the wiser. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually. Which I think is a really fascinating way of doing the cross. It actually. And I don't think this is a flaw because. I don't think this is a flaw in Doctor Who because I think this can only work because of the nature of these shows crossing over. Mm-hmm. But it takes care of the issue in Doctor Who of when you play with things like having erased memories. There's always. You know, you know that even if you know characters have their memories erased you, the viewer, knows what happened. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of intellectually understand that, but you can't necessarily viscerally relate to it because you saw what happened. This actually kind of solves that problem, you know, like where you could watch this from Buffy's point of view and actually experience it sort of like she does, Um, you know, minus the little visit to his, you know, office at the beginning you know? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that's a really clever way of handling the story and kind of shows you why it is really interesting to have these two shows running in parallel. Yeah. And how you can kind of pl- have them play with each other and everything.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, and it is interesting. And like I've said before, like I've never actually watched them this way. So, you, mm. yeah, it is It is a different experience, Uh. you know, to just watch – like, Buffy through and not really, yeah. you know. I mean, you know that yeah. they make reference to the fact that she went to L.A. and saw Angel and came back. Like,
1: right. But right. you have
0: no idea. No idea
1: that she, like you said, she had all her dreams fulfilled.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. But, yeah, like, if you don't know it from Angel's point of view, it might as well not have happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yep. um That's just a
1: really great way to handle that reset, you know, at the beginning, so
0: yeah right so yeah we uh, well and I guess so just to sort of finish out like Angel and all of that you know with the reset I mean of course it's the, the oracles that do that Um, so this is sort of the first time we get good sort of supernatural beings I think uh
1: huh You mean good, like benevolent or?
0: Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, I mean, other than like Buffy, who has obviously some, you know, her slayer powers and Angel, who isn't, I mean, he's a demon with a soul, but that's like people have souls. So that's not like, like, that's just sort of commonplace, you know, to have a soul. It's. It's actually right. the vampires who don't have souls who are sort of the unique ones, and the, and they're right. evil. So, um, yeah, like like we've heard about the powers that be, but we don't know them, and we yeah. still don't, because um, these are like the intermediaries we we're meant to
2: be.
1: Right. So these are the oracles who are not the powers that be, but I, it seems like they kind of speak for them, um, or right. or or intermed, like like intermediary like you said between the two so
0: yeah so so we're getting right so we're getting sort of a view that this, we haven't gotten this is yet the
1: mouth the mouth of sauron for the for the weeded. i
0: suppose like
1: <laughs> but but good
0: right the good mouth of sauron yeah uh yeah so but but i guess i just want to sort of point out there that like yeah like we're getting a slightly different take here like on the mythology of things than we have gotten so far in buffy uh and and even in angel although in angel you know there was the hint of the from the powers that be right up front uh that there was something stronger sending you know those headaches to doyle and the visions and whatnot
1: right because that's mostly Um, what we know about them right is is their their relationship to doyle right that that's where that's who sends him the messages and everything
0: um but now, but I think this sort of the other thing that goes along with that is, you know, from the mythology level is that now you get this sense of there's a bigger battle being waged too. be mm-hmm. an angel doesn't seem to know any more than we do. But he guesses that they're interested in keeping as many people on their side as they can just and right. and that now you, you know, you get from the Moira demon that the the Mara or whatever it is not Moira, like, you know, the <laughs> Celtic name, but, um, but you get from the Mara demon that, that there's, you know, an actual like sort of chess game going on kind of thing. You know, you strike me mm-hmm. down and 10 more will rise up and what, like that, there's, that there's movement going on. There's something bigger sort of lurking in the background and, um, Something, I guess, even, like, more epic. Like, it's not just right. that. Like, in Buffy, it always seems to me that you have these demons or vampires or whatever who are, you know, they're just kind of who they are. They're, like, they're just, like, people. They just kind of go about and do their own thing. And, yeah, some of them are a little more organized than others. But it's not, like, you're not talking about, like, epic grand scale yeah. type stuff. Right. It, I think. Right.
1: It, yeah, The 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 demons are more like it just kind of
0: prosaic maybe i don't more know like, more
1: like it's more like battling crime for buffy yeah. like like yes. individuals doing bad things that she is responsible to stop yeah and and it's sort of unorganized and chaotic and kind of purposeless like it's just there's always going to be these bad monsters and demons who are doing bad things and she it's her job to stop them mm-hmm. whereas angel yeah with With the powers that be, you get more the sense of, like, good versus evil Mm -hmm. capital letters. Yeah, yeah. Like, on that more, you know, heightened level, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because we don't really have as much of a sense of the good side on Buffy. Like, there are good people. You know, there's the Slayer, and there are Watchers who are sometimes not really good. Um, Like, there are good people who fight on the good side of good
2: good, but
0: clearly flawed. Like if we want to be generous to the watchers council,
1: (laughs) right. But you don't have like messages from the gods coming to like, you know, prompt Buffy. It's more like, that's just her job, you know, whereas here it's like, potentially this could be good capital G, you know, that Mm -hmm. he's tapped into some sort of higher being, you know? Um, Um,
0: And, and I want to, so, there's a couple other things too. So there's a sense in that Angel is somehow a chosen figure, much like Buffy, although not necessarily like he. He's sort of alone in that there aren't like, and even like Doyle mm-hmm. says he's like I'm not I'm not a warrior, right? I'm just a yeah. I'm just a messenger. So like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: even though Doyle is kind of chosen in a way too, it's not in the same way that like Angel is chosen. Um, But also the sense that like, yeah, unlike, you know, Buffy being the chosen one, um, you know, Buffy's alone, right? She's the only slayer, whatever. But from Angel's perspective, there seem to be others who are warriors like him fighting Mm -hmm. for the powers that be in some way or another. And Mm
2: -hmm.
0: at least those are, I think the implications that we get at this point. Um, even though we don't know a ton more about it, I think it's worth taking note that that we are getting some pretty heavy mythological stuff yeah. going on here. Um, so just kind of want to point that out. Um, so we are sort of working to – like we've talked about like different dimensions and stuff, and that seems to be yeah. sort of here. But you also get not just dimension but like planes, if that makes sense, like higher plane – sort of existence you know like Mm -hmm. like thinking more along the line of like the medieval like concentric ideas of you know levels of heaven and that kind of thing you know like um as they would sort of be envisioned in that medieval sense of you know sort of radiating outward from the earth kind of thing like yeah um it's not just that he's gone into a hell dimension and it's sort of just a parallel universe it's that it's somehow higher a higher universe than the one that they're in so
1: yeah and i hadn't really that hadn't jumped out to me in the episode but even you just repeating doyle's line about i'm just a messenger like that sense of You know the word angel being a messenger, like that's an interesting. But then angel's the warrior, so all these words are sort of mixed up. Like we're dealing with sort of
0: oh yeah, angel as in like the original Greek
1: yeah, like the actual word word, you know Um,
2: yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. So you get
1: angel who's a warrior, but Doyle says he's the messenger, and then you have these kind of sort of angelic higher beings, you know Mm -hmm. who uh yeah like you know, the
0: greek gods almost yeah yeah
1: yeah well the oracles definitely have that and then you know who knows what the powers that be are or you know what their nature is yeah. um you have a lot of angelic beings in this episode
2: yeah um so which is
1: interesting choice to do the oracle i mean the word oracle kind of makes sense that then they would go for like a greek motif yeah Yeah. Um. So, like, everything's white marble and togas and, you right, know, right. Uh, you know kind of speaking in, not quite in riddles, but in kind of, uh, you know, a little bit heightened and a little bit, you know, otherworldly and you kind of quite, can't quite follow what they're saying exactly. Like, they're speaking about things that you don't understand and mm-hmm. everything.
0: Right. They started talking about, um, like, temporal and, that, like, and you know... Various things, and you're just like, Wait what <laughs> like okay. yeah
1: and and they're kind of different slightly different awareness of the world, like the uh the, the woman says something about um, yeah, I like time, there's so little and so much of it, yeah, you know, which is true, like
0: like paradoxical, in, yeah,
1: paradoxically, because you know in in the whole you know time is eternal you know or really long um, and so you know in that sense time never runs out but for an individual you know mm. it it goes very quickly and there's never enough of it um, and that was a great line too about him wondering what's going to happen to Buffy and they're like you know Basically the same thing that happens to everybody, so, you know, i.e., she will die, you know? Right. But, but just sooner for her.
2: <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Like, you know, the implication being, if he doesn't go back to his, you know, to being a full vampire, that he, I presumably, I, I guess because he's gonna protect her, she would uh, die in whatever battle is coming down the pike i guess right
0: yeah Um, we don't i mean it's not completely clear clear, but yeah something like that
1: but still that sense of okay even if she doesn't die here she will die eventually like they have that like god's eye view of Mm -hmm. of mortals you know what's gonna happen same thing that happens to everybody you know yeah um you know, it might happen a little sooner, but it's not, it's still going to happen. It's still inevitable.
2: Yep. yep.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they clearly have some powers that are not afforded to regular people, like being able yeah. to bend back time or, or push time back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. And and restoring the soul so and it's kind of kind of weird because on the one hand you get the sense that like it, you know it's the demon's blood that it's almost like a chemical reaction which makes mm. uh, angel human again right like but that there's also a sense in which the powers that be had a hand in that so you're not sure like is it that any vampire who got that demon's blood on him would right. become human again, or was something was it because angel is this chosen mm. one, or because he happened to have a soul already, so it wiped away the vampireness mm-hmm. in a normal vampire that might just kill him because there's nothing right. left but since angel right. already had a soul, it sort of cleansed him of the vampireness and he gets to keep his soul and now is right. alive right. again, kind of thing, huh. I mean, I don't know. There's no, I don't think there's ever like an answer to that. But it, there, there is this sense that it's a combination, not, it's not just the demon's blood, but that there is a decision by the higher powers. So, like,
2: yeah, you
0: know, are the oracles themselves even kind of bending the rules a little by allowing him, you know, to, to go on? But, um, I like that he uses, the idea that he is a warrior for them. And that even though he's not dead. The other side has effectively. Won by taking him out of commission. Because he can't fight the way that. He yeah. would be able to. So it's. You know. Getting what you want by pleading to the needs of the other person. Kind of thing. You know.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, so. Anyway. Yeah.
1: And an interesting kind of. Uh, note too About. I like that distinction about, well, we can't change what's already happened, but we could prevent something that hasn't happened yet. So the kind of, again, paradoxical sense that Buffy's yep. fate has, she is on a on a path, you know, but if it hasn't occurred yet, it's not totally fixed. You know, that she's <laughs> heading in a particular direction, but it can still yeah. change. It's not totally written in stone.
2: Yeah
0: um a very doctor who sort of a very doctor idea. who notion
1: yeah <laughs> uh, it's not a fixed point
0: it's not a fixed point is what
1: they're saying yeah
0: um so yeah so, so anyway i i basically just wanted to make sure we pointed out though that that, that there is this sort of epic battle idea mm-hmm. being set up even if we don't see it being played out on the epic scale like there does yeah. seem to be in the background, at least that yep. sort of thing going on. Um, yeah. In the last like ten to fifteen minutes here, we should probably talk about Cordy and Doyle a little bit too. Maybe any mm-hmm. any any I guess anything we on Angel and Buffy and the mythic stuff. Any final thoughts?
1: Uh, well, to bring us full circle, I mentioned the line at the beginning about. Uh, you know, we'll just and then Angel says forget. Uh, so you get the callback to that at the end, and then you do realize like, oh, they totally set me up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then and that line blew right past me. Um, yep. And then in the end, it has so much more significance. Obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so nice, nice little twist of the knife there. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Um. So. And I like that he like he just kind of walks over and kills the demon. And Buffy's like, yeah, oh, yeah. how did you know how to do that?
1: Oh, I've yeah. been catching up. Oh, uh, I read a lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, oh, all right then. So we're good here. Yeah, we're
1: yeah. Good. All right. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Uh oh.
0: um.
1: No, I don't know that I have anything to add. I mean, I don't expect. I mean, there might be. Fallout from this story, in the sense of Angel knows that there that there is this battle, he knows that he, you know, made this choice and wants to protect Buffy and everything. So I'm sure it has repercussions for the character, but I'm not necessarily expecting Buffy to ever learn this. Um, right, right. You know, I'd kind of be surprised if she did. So, uh,
0: or even if she would believe it. You know,
1: from her point of view, I'm not sure what else to say other than that it is kind of sad to have this hanging over Mm. of her not knowing it, but we, we know it. And like that she did have the fulfillment of that normal life that she wanted at least for a day. So,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so
1: for, sorry, go ahead. No, I was
0: just gonna say, yeah, Cordy and Doyle. What, uh, we talked a little bit about them, but um
1: yeah, um, any,
0: any other thoughts on the two of them?
1: Well, we don't learn a ton more about Doyle's relationship to the powers that be, but we get like a couple references to it, which are kind of intriguing that like um it, it's a little unclear still what his relationship is um that he kind of admits to angel that he isn't really giving up all the information that he has, you know, like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: where they are and what their agenda is, you know, he says, is on a need-to-know basis Um, I like Angel's response, well, I need to know like, (laughs) that's pretty much what this is Um, but like, that there's still, he has to be kind of convinced to go to them, and it seems like there are you know, and maybe for legitimate reason, but there are secrets that he's keeping about Uh, what's going on and how much he knows. Mm. Um, And, you know, we get, again, the confirmation that he's not necessarily one of their soldiers, that he's uh, a messenger for them, that he's more like the Oracles, I guess, more of this kind of intercessor who, you know, uh, deals with the warriors on their behalf, I guess. Um, And I'm kind of intrigued by this notion that... um, he kind of wants to be free of them a little bit. Like it seems like when Angel gets freed, that Doyle kind of gets freed by extension or hopes that he might be. Um, which Um Yeah. He seems
0: saying. to think that he is, but then he yeah. gets another vision,
1: which is interesting because as far as I know, he was getting visions before he met Angel. So why his, uh, sort of job is dependent on Angel's job. I'm not quite sure. Um, And and then there's also the notion that he would kind of like that. (laughs) He doesn't necessarily... He doesn't seem like he's really, like, enslaved by them necessarily, but that there is a part of him that this isn't necessarily what he wants, or at least given the opportunity to walk away he would do that Mm. um so those are interesting kind of notions that i don't know that we've quite got stated in those terms before
0: yeah yeah no i don't um hmm. yeah definitely i think we get the sense that he would like to be free of these visions um and and whatever and yeah so like even when Angel goes the first time to see the oracle right they say oh you're you're released of your fealty or whatever and it's like oh didn't know that he was like right. you know uh part of so it may be that doyle doesn't even himself considering that angel didn't seem to know the full extent of his own you know requirements yeah. <laughs> uh it may be that doyle doesn't either even if he sort of has a good idea you know, a better idea than Angel, he may not know the full extent of what's sort of required of him. Um yeah. we, we have gotten references before that, yeah, like different people are sort of repenting for different things. And so, yeah. you know, his visions are sort of his way of repenting while Angel, you know, helping people is his way of repenting and that kind of thing. Yeah. So
2: yeah,
0: we don't, you're right, we don't know completely what Doyle's situation is there but I think I think we can just at least sort of assume that like he's got a pretty hefty debt (laughs) you know uh and yeah and like it so does this like effectively make him like a mercenary like is it not that he is necessarily a good player but like you know he got himself into Hawk with the powers that be and now he's kind of being forced to pay up uh, and right. this is the way to do that, um, which seems like that could be the case
2: anyway. But
0: right. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get some more about Doyle uh, definitely in the next episode of Angel as well, too. I mean, I you know don't want to give too much away or anything, but mm. I think we definitely are meant to.
1: He's yeah wondering so it, about i think what, we are yeah. at
0: this point meant to be wondering about doyle and his relationship yeah. and and how that may or may not change um actually one of the things i forgot to mention about angel that i just thought of though too is that um we didn't bring up the ring that he the ring of amara where right uh, no i did think of, of, of amara, that earlier I mean, and, yeah uh, yeah where you know, there is some parallel to that and where he yes. makes that decision, you yep. know, not to do that here. So so I think that's a big parallel. But anyway, back to Doyle. Yeah. Um, I want to. Yeah, I, I think we I think we should. I think we should just sort of keep an eye on, on what what is that relationship, because it's. It's clearly not the same that angel has and right, and even if he helps out from time to time, yeah, he isn't the warrior, he's the messenger, so what does that mm-hmm. mean, and how does that fulfill right and
1: he's and he's less um he's more kind of in this uh situation by. Not coercion necessarily, but like it seems like part of it could be be because he has to be. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it seems like he's there because he has to be, whereas Angel seems more like because he wants to be or he chooses to be, you know, that he specifically, you know, you know, destroyed that ring and, you know, turned back time and all these things are choices to, you know, keep Mm -hmm. working for the powers that be whereas Doyle doesn't seem that altruistic (laughs) he's you know and not that that makes him bad like he's clearly like you know a good enough guy and and willing to help and everything and wants to help people but I think a few times we've seen that given the opportunity he wouldn't necessarily choose to come back like Angel is choosing to come back
0: sure sure um The other thing is, you know, we don't know exactly how long uh, he's been getting the headaches. Uh, I don't. I'm trying to think back to the various references. I mean, we know that like uh, his ex-wife there in in the previous Mm -hmm. episode didn't doesn't bring them up or anything like doesn't say, oh, are you still getting those headaches? So like.
1: Yeah. I think Yeah, so can, it's not like for his whole life or yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we can we can guess that it's you know, maybe in the last within the last year or two at the most, right. you know, that this has been happening. So I I just wanted to sort of point that out, that it's not mm-hmm. it's not something that's been happening a real long time, but but yeah, like yeah. it does seem to be something that was happening before Angel came around so mm-hmm. you know who was he working with if anyone and or was he trying to ignore them and it and he found he couldn't you know what it, what sort of things like that were going on so
1: yeah uh,
0: anyway mm-hmm. uh any final thoughts about doyle or even cordy i actually don't have much more to say about cordy so i'd if you have anything yeah
1: no i mean she had some good like just funny lines in this episode, like. um you know, that in in the time it takes for them to talk, they have time for Cappuccino and the director's cut of Titanic and yeah, um, yeah. And then when she thinks Angel got dusted and then it's oh no, she just forgot to sweep. So um Yeah. Just, you know, uh some good kind of humorous moments, but yeah. I don't know that And the it, playing
0: of tension between her and Buffy, you know, there's yeah, there's still yeah. You know, yeah, they're
1: never gonna be each other's number one fan, really. No,
0: no so all right well
1: yeah
0: cool then i guess we can call it an episode and uh yeah we'll be back next week to talk about actually a a very funny episode of buffy and uh oh cool and and the the finale and a a very
1: a very crazy episode of doctor who (laughs) yeah
2: okay well
0: look forward to it
1: all right see you then